0: hi everyone uh welcome to the podcast and today we have sarah lian the founder of super good collective with us uh, sarah is an entrepreneur who creates opportunities for inspiring women to share their gifts and talents to affect positive change she's the founder and managing director of super good a malaysian talent management agency that aims to nurture talent potential and develop their professional careers um and her last venture was the launch of super retreat a community that gives women the tools to succeed in every area of their life with just a handful of lifestyle coaches sarah and her team have created transformational experiences that have touched the lives of hundreds of women since she started in 2019 aside from her entrepreneurial activities sarah is a celebrated personality having been in the entertainment industry for more than 10 years with a career that spans across north america and asia she is an award-winning actress and an experienced mc working with brands such as hugo boss frank muller Petronas, and many others her television work has been seen on channel news asia the history channel espn star sports 8 tv and Astro hits to name a few. Sarah has built an illustrious career wearing many hats and effortlessly shares her insights with those aspiring to learn from her. And with that, uh, let's start the conversation. Oh, Welcome Sarah, uh, thanks for doing this.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Uh, yeah,
0: so good to have you here. <laughs> so, um, as I know, you started your acting career at the age of 10, right? Mm. So I'm really, really curious, right? someone starts at that age, like, how did it happen? Like, was there a moment where you kind of realized, oh, you know, I'm, I'm into this space now?
1: Oh, goodness, it was not that at all. So what happened is that um, when I was living in Canada, my parents owned a deli. Mm. And uh, we were usually left alone because my parents were working. And um, how it works, I guess, with, with that where i lived was that there was this community center brochure or okay. uh, or a catalog course catalog that that they disperse twice a year like spring summer fall winter and i opened it up and i looked at what's available for children <laughs> so um from the ages of nine to twelve i would see like what you could do okay and i found a course and it said like um improv for children or improv for kids so i told my mom i wanted to sign up to that course Mm. and i signed up to it and i had a great time and then there was another one that was going to be happening from like during the school time, so it was like September to, um, to I think to February, and then whatever. Like so, there was like the spring, summer, and and fall and winter, and so I just si- started signing up myself to these courses, and I had a great time. Like we would play these random games, and then by the end of like the thirteenth week or something, we would we would do we would do a, a present like a presentation, like a play, or it would be a variety show, and we'd have these skits that would. So that's just how I started. It wasn't like, mother, I'm going to be an actress. Right. It was, there was nothing about that. It was just to kill time. It was just to learn something. Right.
0: But this is interesting. though. Like, I, I remember at, at the age of nine, all I wanted to do was play. Yeah. So like, where, where did that come from? though? Like, that spirit of wanting to learn and to participate in something else, something bigger?
1: I, I think it was exactly like you like the idea of play. It was just to play, but it was with other people. And I've always mm-hmm. been extroverted. I've always loved people. So I think just being able to explore that. And I think at that time, we had just moved into a new neighborhood. And so I was just getting to know like what was around my school, my elementary school and my community center. And so I would go there and I would meet different people and then we'd just have classes together. And so by the time I got to high school, I knew a couple of people from my acting classes. And so it was a nice way to also build my community. At at a young age, I had no idea that's what I was doing, but I guess that's what I was doing.
0: Yeah, yeah. And at what point did it kind of turn professional?
1: I think I did that. And then um, I had an acting agent um, come and sit in because she represented my acting teacher. And so she thought there's something special in me. And so... I uh so she she said you should get some pictures done and I'm gonna start sending you out to auditions and so I went to that's how I started and and it wasn't even my mom taking me I would like it it was so weird I would I would find the address and I would like search on a physical map Mm. like and and this is obviously way before Google ever happened this is like what 90 like 1994-95 and my parents owned a deli downtown and I would like literally take the map out mark where I needed to go and like walk in and sign myself in for these auditions and then like play with dolls or pretend I was in some airline commercial and just do that so, well, you were so
0: incredibly independent at that time. I guess
1: I was. I didn't <laughs> even think about it until until now you see it. But yeah, that's that's what I did. And I never ended up booking anything. Right. And then I, I got to that awkward, like, pre-teen, teenager mm. age. And mm. I felt it was really weird. So I stopped. Um, and then in my in my church, we started, at that time, we were one of the biggest um, ethnic Chinese churches in Vancouver. mm and so they they do these massive plays where it's like three shows a night, da da da, da like matinee and, and, and all that. And so I was always asked to be a part of it. And that's how I continued.
2: Hmm. Um,
1: but I think the the actual professional moment when I say professional it means I got paid for it. Right. Yeah. Was when I did a commercial for Adidas FIFA World Women's Soccer. Football mm-hmm. uh, in 2003, and it was like a wushu commercial, mm. and it was at that time Shaolin soccer was really big. Right, and my agent was like, "I'm gonna send you out to this. Uh, I'm gonna send you out to this um, audition." And I pretended to do Tai Chi.
2: I was like doing all these <laughs> you moves. You pretended to do I Tai Chi, I had no right. idea. I did like
1: Taekwondo when I was like, you know, thirteen or something uh-huh. for like a season, but nothing close. And I just did it, and they're like, "Great, you've booked it." And wow, I was like,
0: okay. "What?" Oh, oh, clearly, that clearly, I very good Tai Chi. <laughs> there you
1: go, right. there you go. And so, yeah, that's how I. That's how the professional career started. Two thousand and three. Right.
0: How How did it feel, like, like what the, your first booking?
1: I was I was so shocked i didn't actually think like because i had been used to this process but i've never actually booked anything right and then i was like oh my god i made so much money and at that time i was like ready to head towards university Mm. so Mm. it was it was just interesting Mm. um and and yeah so i i guess it just it there was a huge sense of accomplishment yes and and um and i i also realized that it wasn't that difficult Like I had fun, Mm. I did it, I Mm. enjoyed it, and I wasn't like, I wasn't struggling.
3: Right, right.
1: And I met up with one of my other agents and he was just saying, he's like, Sarah, I don't know if you know this, but you have like, you have like this it factor. Like when people meet you, they just want to hire you. And he was like, you beat out my black belt girl, my this, my that. (laughs) And I said, I had no idea, but I just came in there being me. Yeah, and and say okay, I, I'm gonna work this out. I'm gonna do this tai chi move and right. like, what, channel whatever I know and just give it. Yeah, and I booked it.
2: Right. So,
1: how
0: how many of these um, uh, did you go to before you finally booked one? Like I'm I'm trying to get a sense of like like the level of um, how auditions. how much you knew auditions. That's the word. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, I did like a handful, six, seven. Uh, so, uh, so in the in the entertainment industry, well, in North America especially, it's quite there's there's a process. So right. um, you have an agent, and then you go for an audition. And at the audition, then you go for a callback. So mm. then they'll they'll sort of minimize the list, the short list, uh, give you a short list, and right. then after that, you'll book the job depending if you you know if the the producer's there or the director's right. there or whatnot. Right. So I had had a couple close calls, right. but. Um, but, yeah, I never booked anything. And so I would say maybe max eight. Mm. You know, nothing mm. really spectacular. Like, it yeah. wasn't like I was seasoned pro. Yeah. It was just I was familiar. Yes. But, but yeah, like, it was – I think that was, like and, – and, and then just before university, so this was, like uh, – 1819 um that's when i was like oh, i'm gonna give this a try mm. again like mm. i did it before when i was younger i'm just gonna give this a try yeah. i did some theater stuff before
3: yeah.
1: and yeah i think that was like my first or second commercial that i booked i was just like what
0: <laughs>
3: wow <laughs> that's
1: crazy and then i kept on booking other stuff and i was like
0: right. wow well, this is
1: interesting right
0: so you got that momentum yeah right? yeah, yeah. yeah it's it so crazy. interesting how these things start at such a young age like you know um i obviously run a tech company now yes. but I first started learning programming when I was 11, mm. right? Literally out of interest. I walk I walk into a bookstore and uh, I remember I was with my dad at the time and yeah. I saw this book about programming, which um, I decided to say I wanted to read this book. Mm. Uh, it was a bit weird at the time, but my dad said, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll buy it for you and see what happens. And, wow. and I read the book and I kind of fell in love with programming and I, I did for a couple of years. Mm. Uh, I stopped eventually because... This was like the early 1990s. Mm. So if you went into programming coding at the time, you had no friends,
1: right? Right, right. And yeah. so I you really... You couldn't find your friends. Yeah, and you that's were like the weird kid, and, yeah. you know,
0: and, and it wasn't cool then. It's yeah. cool today, but mm-hmm. it wasn't cool then, and I stopped. But uh, you know, my dad thought it was going to be the next Bill Gates. It didn't turn out that way. But <laughs> uh, I still run a tech company now. Yeah, right? that's so, amazing. so you can see how these seeds start for such a young age, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: So, so this all happened when you were in Canada,
1: Yes. So, uh, just a bit of a backstory. So, I was born in Taiping, Para. My dad went to school in uh, the States. Mm. After that, uh, we moved to Hong Kong, where he got his job. Then um, my uncle started a business in Malaysia, and so my dad was asked to come back. Mm. And in '91, I, my entire family had migrated to Vancouver. Right. So, 20 years in Canada. Right. At
0: '91. 91, '91. Yeah. 91, right. Okay. Yeah. 20 years in Canada. Yeah. So, how how did you feel when you had to? moved to Canada at the time? And like how did you feel when you had to come back 20 years later? Because that was that would have been quite a huge shift, I imagine.
1: Yeah, I I think it, because I was at, I was I was eight years old when I moved to Canada and I was at an age where it, it wasn't like I had formed long term friendships or anything. Everything was still new, you know, mm. you're still in primary school. Yeah. And so I loved it. I, I've always felt that every time I'm in a new environment I get to just celebrate a new part of me. Mm. I've always uh, loved like being like reinventing myself. Mm. I've always loved that part right. about me. Like this is a new stage in my life or this is a new school. And so in, um, in my entire life, I've attended 10 schools.
0: <laughs> 10 schools? 10 schools oh, in like schools.
1: five different cities. Wow. Okay. Yeah, four, one, ten, yeah five, about four or five different cities. So I've always had to, like, every two or three years, I'm always moving. You're always
3: moving. Line. Yeah. Okay.
1: And um, and so, yeah, I was I was totally fine with it. Right. And then when I moved back, it was a decision I made. My entire mm. family is still in Canada. you still in Canada. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I'm right. the only one that moved back. Okay. And my dad's like, stupid, yeah. why move back? You know? <laughs> we move with it. Give you a good life before you come back. <laughs> how, how do
0: you make that decision? And how do you tell dad that you have to move back?
1: Oh, gosh. This is such a, like, a weighted thing. But um, I had a... Uh, Because I'm still Malaysian. Yeah. My entire family is Canadian. I'm still Malaysian. Okay. And uh, I, during my university, I, I wanted to come back and gain a different type of work experience. Right. And like some of my friends, I, I went to school for fashion. Uh, and unlike some of my friends, I thought, okay, I'm going to come back to Malaysia. I'm going to renew my passport. Mm. I'm going to see what I could do. So mm. I'd highlighted some companies that I thought was, like, really great. Mm. And uh, and I thought maybe TV would be an interesting angle, but I had no idea. So my cousin introduced, introduced me to a friend who knew someone who was part of a TV station at that time, ATV. And ATV mm. had just recently been acquired by Media Prima. Right. And so I was on a summer holiday essentially and and I I I met the this guy and you know he talked to me and he's like yeah sure I mean I you know you 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 can come and join us for a couple months I was like Mm. okay great yes I have an internship and so I I was able to really form real friendships Mm. And I got to rediscover, you know, what we say as a white girl. It's like, I got to discover my roots. Right. So um, so I came back to Malaysia and, and you know, spent a nice summer. And I was like, wow, I've created real friendships. It's not just my cousins or my aunties and uncles. Nice. And so... Um,
0: do you feel like back at home? Like, you mean, Do you feel like you're at home straight away?
1: I like, did. Right. And I think it's just what you make of it, right? right. I think anything can feel like home as yeah. long as you have the intention of making it feel like home. Yeah. And so... So after I graduated, I was like, huh, I was at a fork in the road. Like, Mm. what should I do? Should I pursue fashion? Should I do, like, merchandising, working for, like, a big, you know, department store retailer? Or do I want to, like, explore this acting and this entertainment industry a bit more? Mm. So I took the ladder, and I came here. And I told myself, you know, and I didn't have to tell myself. I knew I, like... $15,000, $18,000 Fifteen thousand, eighteen thousand dollars worth of student loan debt, and credit card.
0: <laughs>
3: I had like
1: a thousand bucks in my, a thousand Canadian in right. my in my bank account.
0: Yeah. So you needed a job.
1: <laughs> I needed a job. I had no money. After three months, I had um, encountered a smash and grab. So, oh, okay. Unbeknownst to me, well, like well, they, welcome they, to Malaysia. They, yeah, welcome yeah, to yeah. Malaysia. My probation is over. Yeah, that's right. They took my bag. I could not live off credit, and I was just flat out broke. Wow. And I really feel like I had no choice but to succeed. Hmm. But to just pay my bills, pay off my credit cards. And so within the first year, I was able to wipe out 50% of my debt. With ringgit, okay? okay. <laughs> so I had to work three times yeah. as hard to, to clear <laughs> oh that God, off. No. Yeah. And, then, and then make a name for myself. Because yeah. I had no other option. Yeah. And, and my mom, just like most Asian families are, mm. they, she wants to help. Mm. Ah, i give you some money give you some money and i was like no my, in my stuff you self. refuse money i refused it oh okay i refused it i i said if i or i told myself if i'm making this decision for myself mm. then no one should have to pay for this
3: mm. Mm.
1: if this is my choice i want to own every part of my decision i don't want you to give me money see this is what you do i still have to give me money it's like no I do not want to live with that guilt and and that's the stubbornness in me.
2: Yes.
1: Um and so with that I I had to you got to do something. If you can't afford it, don't go out.
0: Where does this drive and discipline come from like is it from your parents or like
1: Yeah, okay. absolutely. I mean, I think my mom is the epitome of street smart. Hmm. You know, like most of our parents that grew up in poverty, mm, oh yeah. they, they know how to hustle. They know how to find every nook and cranny to make it, you know, take an inch and make it a yard. Mm. My mom makes it a mile. It goes around and around and you're like, "Sorted." That's my mother. And she, I think, uh, she never passed. They have a saying in, in, in the family, but yeah, I, I don't think she finished grade four. Okay. Primary four. Right. And that's the limitation of her education. Right. And she was able to run it, you know. Yeah. And then I've on the flip side, I have my father,
0: mm.
1: Stanford graduate, MBA. Wow. And like econ, like masters in econ. He did a double masters in two years in mm. Stanford. Mm. And wow. so I've got like Book Smart and I've got Street Smart. Street Smart.
0: Smart. <laughs> right.
3: Right. And
1: and and the struggles that we had growing up in um in North America mm. was was like probably what has shaped me and mm. it's probably made me realize like do not ever take people for granted don't ever take money for granted yeah. and always respect everyone because you never know where anyone is going to end up mm. so for me I think those things have carried through and so for me it was it was very much about trying to carve my own path yeah. Uh, yeah. without putting any more on my parents because they've cool. already done so much
0: yeah and, and how much of the uh, moving around because you move. You mentioned you move schools every two, three years, right? How much of that do you think contributed to, like, how entrepreneurial you are or, like, how much you can kind of adapt to situations?
1: Yeah, it's a huge contribution, this this adaptability quality that I had. Like... I went to some random, like, Batsi place, uh-huh. you know. <laughs> How did you lady, end up there? <laughs> yeah, my friend likes to take me to these places because you just need some guidance okay, from outside right. of your control, so you go to <laughs> metaphysics. And um, in the Batsi, the woman was like, yalla, at 18, you already got three legs. Uh-huh. Like like in Tanzania, in you'll say, yeah. like you already have you know three yeah. legs, and yeah. it's because you could already you can go anywhere and place yourself, yeah. and put yourself in yeah. there uh, on the flip side, my sister, she's six years older, and um she hated moving. I think it had created the 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 things that my dad, like you know went to school, went to work, went mm. to you know, and and the way he moved, I think it just she hated it. Mm. So she just didn't want to make any more friends because she was going to lose friends. I was like, I would have friends everywhere. I've had friends in Hong Kong, I've had friends in Malaysia, <laughs> friends in Singapore, Toronto, Vancouver. Like, you know, so to, to me, I've always loved it. Mm. And adapting was it was always a new challenge for me, but it was a challenge that I invited. Mm. So so yeah, I would say that was a that's, huge contribution. That's, that's you know, and I'm very lucky that I've yeah. had that experience. Or yeah. I, or that's how I took it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think I think it sounds a lot like, you know, I suppose your your life story kind of contributed a lot to like your personality mm. and like the um how you've built this uh, sense of um you you're clearly very resilient <laughs> clearly <laughs> and you're clearly uh you know you're you're cool like you're okay with doing a lot of hard work mm. right for sure right yeah. um i have a question about like the uh the entertainment industry
1: yes right
0: so what would you say um is actually more difficult Right Than it looks to be in the entertainment mm. industry, but pe- a lot of people you think misunderstand to be Absolutely. easy yeah and and also the reverse what do you think is actually very easy to do, but you think observers kind of misunderstand to be really hard right so, and this is about like how to succeed in, like in the entertainment industry
1: yeah it's um, actually it's the perception of yourself right that is always being challenged in the entertainment industry mm. especially when you are your value and worth is predicated by your looks right. The minute I get a wrinkle, I think I'm never going to get a job again, you know, (laughs) or when you see what's on TV or when you see the patterns of the way people hire or the way people book uh, entertainers or Mm. people that are hosts or actresses or whatnot, they keep going younger and you know, at some point, yeah, it's time to move out of this and you know it it, and you don't, you don't take it personally, but Mm. it does affect you. And I think for anybody that ever wants to succeed in the entertainment industry, you have to really understand why you want to do it. Right so I asked myself why is it that I want to do it mm. so one thing that was very evident to me when I first started was that it wasn't that hard for me to do it mm. it didn't take a lot for me my my um, personality is very conducive I love people if people get close to my space I'm not like awkward you know for people that don't like germs or don't like people around you I'm sorry the makeup artist in between takes is going to start like wiping off your face mm. and the people are going to keep tugging at your dress or your skirt and they're going to get close. Right. And if you feel at any moment that you're not safe, this job is not for you.
0: Right. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. Or also you're under- basically
0: like the product, right? You know.
1: Absolutely. Way. Absolutely. Yeah. And and not just that, like and and you're given a platform. Mm. But the platform uh and the opportunity to be seen is both positive and negative and mm. you have to welcome both. You right. can't just, I'm only going to listen about the positive stuff mm. because the negative stuff will come.
2: Mm.
1: You know, when, when you read magazines and you're like, oh, I don't like her. Mm. Well, she doesn't, does she like you?
2: Mm. You know what I mean? <laughs> and she's a
1: person, yeah. right? And yeah. it's just the, the the way people talk about you yeah. is, is so different and you have to be able to handle that. So oh, if yeah. you don't have a strong perception of who you are or what you're about, it will eat you up. Mm. You will get anorexic. You'll mm. get bulimic. You'll, mm. you'll, You'll hate on people that mm. are your competitors. Mm. You'll, you'll feel in- extremely insecure.
2: Mm.
1: Um, and those things get to you. Oh, should I cut my hair? Should I not cut my hair? Oh, that girl that books it. Oh, she's got short hair. Mm. You know, like something as, as minuscule as that can affect you. Mm. Or I shouldn't have said this. Oh, I should have worn this. I should not have worn this. Wow. And, and you just question yourself all the time. Because you're selling this. Mm. You're not really selling this. Yes. But until this is strong this isn't going to make a difference. Well, that
0: makes sense. Yeah.
1: So when I speak to young girls that, that often come to me and say, Sarah, you know, the, everyone says like, go talk to Sarah to see if this is what you want to do. And I, I tell them, especially girls that are in pageants, mm. which, which I can understand why they do it. Mm. It's an opportunity for them to ascend. It's an opportunity, opportunity for them to be seen. Mm. It's, it's a, it's a boot camp for them to learn about this in a, in a skewed way. Of course I say, You got to do what you can in this one year. You got to learn. You got to absorb. You got to take everything you can because next year it's a new batch Mm. and you being runner up number three or four of 2000 or whatever is not going to make much of a difference. Mm. And that's going to eat you up because that's all you have. Wow. So a lot of these pageant girls, then they go to another pageant because they feel the need to get that again. Right. But if you don't have a good, strong perception of who you are, you're going to be affected by what people say, how people view you. "Uh, A bit taller. Yeah. Sorry. Cannot.
2: Mm. You know. Mm. Or
1: uh, maybe you want to fix your teeth.
2: Mm.
1: Or maybe you should do this. Maybe you should do that. Mm. And you just get into yourself. And that's what happens in the entertainment industry. And right. that's why you have people that are depressed, that people are like, committing suicides, oh, yeah. people that, that question themselves, people that, you know, especially younger artists that yeah. um, have grown and, and, and especially when their success is, I mean, I'm, I'm humble because I feel like I'm not even there yet, mm. you know, but there's some people that are and, and then they have this imposter syndrome. Like, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know why I'm here.
0: Right. Right. And, and then the hate comments start coming in. The hate comments in, and, then and then you then believe them. Yeah. They're
1: yeah. like, you're right. I am yeah. like that. Oh my God, she's right. Yeah. Oh, I need to change this about myself now. Yeah. But it's just one person's comment. Yeah. So when you ask me about the entertainment industry, this is what you're opening yourself up to. Right. And if you're aware, completely aware of what's going to happen and, you're, and you understand where you are in all of this, mm it can also be incredibly powerful and it can be once again, like I said to you in our chat earlier, it's a privilege. Yes. You have this privilege now to have this platform to connect and to reach to people that are scared or people mm. that are worried or whatever it is, you, you have this power now.
3: Mm.
1: And so when you have this power, you have, you know, to be responsible
3: mm.
1: and, and you know, it's to me, it's, it's a disservice if I don't talk about all the other things that are going to mine you <laughs> can i swear yes yes you can yeah it's a podcast like, you can say anything yes, you want <laughs> yes um yeah uh, so so yeah that's that that's what the entertainment industry is like
0: wow and 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 specifically for you like how do you manage all these like like negative comments or like hateful um comments like is there are there questions that you ask yourself from time to time to keep yourself grounded you know what what do you do
1: i love them I don't I'm not one of the people that stir Mm. it like sometimes people you know their their marketing strategy is really just to put a very controversial thing out there so that it becomes you know public discourse I love it because it means that someone has spent energy talking about me. Mm. So I take that in a positive. I take that negative negativity into a positive. Mm. It just means that that has actually really affected you. Mm. It means that something I said has really hits, hit a nerve for Mm. you to say something, Mm. for you to do something, for you to react. Mm. And I can't do this all the time, but sometimes I'm like, I I respond to them, especially if the hate comment is so like the, I can feel their energy and their anger. Yeah and it's really getting down to like why are you so angry mm. why does this bother you so much mm. what is it about what i said that makes you makes your blood boil mm. And i can't do it to all so i'm like oh i can't but like but yeah that's what i do you respond i,
0: you I respond?
1: do i have responded you before have responded? yeah but i okay. respond to the ones that i think require a response right, right right i'm not just gonna sit and let someone just berate me
3: right right
1: and not just to be like how dare she say this You know, people will say oh sexy or this or they'll give these one-off comments yeah and those things i don't really like they haven't actually spent much energy on mm. it right mm. but when someone has actually written and something like that i always feel that the the need to respond
3: right and i have
1: had controversial moments in the past um, one being a couple years ago, where I was really upset that my friend's daughter's uh, uh, moral exam paper okay. was quest- was was marked incorrectly. Right. And th- basically, the story is is that uh, the, the 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 task is name uh, uh, link the names to the places of worship. Okay. So there's like Devi, uh Abun, like Muhammad, <laughs> and like. Oh, right. And like right. Raj or something so like that. So the
0: associated names yeah, is like religion, so, so, right? Yeah, so so, they're
1: like, oh, David goes to the church. Right, right, And David goes here <laughs> and Muhammad goes to the mosque. <laughs> and I was like, I was like outraged, right? right. And, and that came, that was a very reactive um, re- response. Right. So I was like, how dare they? You're teaching kids to be racist. Uh, and like, <laughs> you know, this is not what you should be, you know, teaching, you know, if, and if you wonder where kids learn this from, here's an example.
0: Yeah.
1: And so there was an outcry. Wow. I think my PR company was like, you got like $2 million worth of uh, PR value in this because it popped up everywhere. Mm. All like nationwide, Singapore, Australia, Indonesia, people saying Malaysian actress slams exam paper as racist, Mm. Mm. you know? And, and, I'm actually really glad that I responded to some of these things because they, um, they, they, they said this is what she said in addition to her post, I, and I couldn't delete my post, I couldn't hide it, and I didn't want to. Mm. But the reactions were coming from teachers or coming from the ministry and, and saying all these things, and there were right. like fingers pointing everywhere. Right. And I wasn't when I listed this; it wasn't to blame. It was to take responsibility.
2: Mm.
1: Mm. You know. And so when there are hate comments that come in. How do I deal with it? I deal with it with if you deal with this with respect, I will also deal with it with respect. We right. can disagree. Right. But yeah, I mean I got so much hate from it. And I, I can't had imagine, I, yeah. yeah, I had a teacher that said, "How dare you? You're not you're not a parent in that school. You're not a teacher. You have no right." And I said, "Hold on here. This child is going to grow up in the fabric of Malaysia in the next 20 years. I may encounter them in through a bank transaction mm. or some sort of um opportunity where i meet them and that's they're going to have the repercussions of these kind of things because in primary one you teach them what what um what place of worship they go to primary two is it what car they drive Mm. primary three what area they're going to live primary four what kind of job they're going to get i refuse to accept that Mm. and if i believe in malaysia and if i believe in what what my community is about i refuse to accept that that's going to be my standard Mm. so if you Can do better, do better, Mm. you know? And that's what I was saying. I was like, we need to take responsibility for this. Mm. And then all these people started to chime in. But yeah, these things weren't a response. So when negative stuff happens to me, how do I turn it so that it can be constructive? You can complain all you want, but unless you provide a solution, unless someone gets together and do something, it's not going to happen. It's just going to complain.
0: Mm. you know i think it's like like super brave of you like, to kind of respond <laughs> uh, <laughs> i this this question is of particular interest to me because um of late because we so we i i run a platform and the platform's get a bit more popular mm. so sometimes uh, i have been situations where i write a post online mm-hmm. and um i remember starting to get like like negative comments yeah. and hateful comments and you know when i when i first got it i was a bit shocked i think yeah. that was the word because like it's never happened in my life before yeah. Uh, most people comment on my post with just my friends and was like really supportive. Now this complete stranger doesn't know me is saying something negative. And you know, I've always kind of wondered what should I do? Mm -hmm. Like should I should I respond? And then encourage that behavior. So, so because if I respond, then they're gonna respond again, right? Mm-hmm, and then, absolutely. and then it's gonna kind of snowball. Absolutely. Yeah. And and most of the time, I just ignore them. Yeah. But I, but I always, I always joke about how I'm go, always going to remember my first troll. Yeah. Right? Yes. <laughs> so yeah. So oh, this is the first person yeah. that left me a negative comment. Yeah. So like you know, now now I know what I say matters. Yeah. In a way. No, right? for
1: sure. It, it it clearly means that you hit that you struck a chord with them. Mm. But it's also how they reply mm. if they do it in such a way like you're an asshole or mm. this is fucking stupid then yeah that does not warrant a response yeah. but if they say i completely disagree with you i feel like this this and this and you're like now that's a real thought someone has actually put some thought into this and this is what i want to show them or maybe they can teach me something mm. so in that example that i shared with you about my you know like just appalling like a uh, feeling about about this exam paper someone commented On my post, and they said, "Actually, this is not racist at all. Mm. You've used the incorrect term. This Mm. is what we call um, a bias." Mm. Uh, And 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 that's because generally, as adults, we knew which names associated with which places of worship. Mm. But with with him, he was just saying, "This is this is what." A bias is right you know and he was giving me the correct terms and i was like i don't think i would have learned that had someone not written and said actually you are incorrect
3: right right but
1: not saying that he agreed that this was happening he was just correcting those things and so through that, it's like feedback, right? Sure. It's a, it's a great way to learn too.
0: Sure. So you have to kind of learn to distinguish between Absolutely. what is like yeah. a, just a hateful kind of comment, like a, a baseless just people yeah, just being mad correct. versus correct. someone who's trying to have like correct. a proper debate with you.
1: Correct. Right. Because when I said that, there were there were like at least two or three op-ed articles about my, what I had said. Because mm-hmm. I said, a name is just a name. Mm. It does not represent your religion. It does not represent your place of worship. Mm. And you can't put that on people. And mm-hmm. then it... Then it then continued to a to a place where uh, you know what was ever ha- what was happening in Sarawak and Sabah, and and, mm. and some people were mistakenly considered Muslim when they were not because of their names,
2: mm.
1: or you know they were Christian but suddenly they were this, and yeah. so it created a dialogue. Yeah, you know, mm. but that's what can happen.
0: Mm that's so, right and
3: yeah. that blew up right? yeah that blew up oh my
1: god <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah
0: uh, what would you say as we live in a world that's like super connected right now yeah. and like social media is a huge thing um even for people who were uh, you know say a bit a bit less popular than yourself like they're also getting a lot of like negativity mm. online what advice would you give like young people right now about how to manage that you know how to manage what happens on mm. social media, how to manage like your, you know, whether it's like self-esteem mm. or like if someone says something that you don't like hearing, like mm. what, what, what would you say to them?
1: I mean, unlike the era that we grew, in, grew up in, there was no social media no. in in high school or elementary, no. right? And so the, the issue with social media now is that it can be incredibly toxic. Yes. And that you find value and derive value from um, the number of likes that you get. Um, it, it, we've we've now been able to quantify your pop popularity. Mm, oh, and bright. so when you are in this age where you are in high school or just a, in college or just starting your work, you don't know what the f- you're doing. No, you have no. Yeah. Your dad tells you to do one thing. Your mom tells you to do one thing. You want to do something else. But then the market's like this. Then you have to adjust. And yeah. y- you have no idea.
3: Yeah.
1: And, and so you are already in a space where you are questioning your identity. Mm. And so when you start to say something or, or maybe it triggered someone else and then you get a barrage of this, you need to shut it out. You need to draw your own boundaries and you need to be like, this is not helping. Mm. Like there's someone that I was following on Instagram that I was like, oh my God, I want her life. Like uh-huh. she's so beautiful. Uh-huh. Her life's so nice. <laughs> you know? And I and I realized that like every time her picture came up, I was like hating on her, like secretly hating. Uh, it's not that nice, uh, or like uh, bag's not that new, or oh, you know, really? like I would, right. I would have that, and I was like, Sarah, that's like so toxic. Like you're creating this company <laughs> about like celebrating women, and this is what you're doing. So I actually unfollowed her, mm. Mm. and. Maybe it was just a simple exercise, but but for me, that was my boundary. Mm. And now when I see her, I mean, it's not like I, I dislike her, but it was like, for me, it was just I need to take myself out of that. Right. So for anybody that's facing anything, even cyberbullying or all this kind of stuff that, that's happening, you need to draw your boundaries and you need to just stop Mm. you know or at least acknowledge that it is happening and and that you'll be surprised the amount of compassion that people can pour in when they understand that you come from a real place Mm. i think what happens a lot with social media especially is that there's so much of highlight reel we always say that's right you know the highlight reel showing you i'm in the hottest place i'm the Mm. coolest place my new outfit look who i'm hanging out with oh guess Mm. who i met Mm. right and it's just showing that but when you don't operate from a real place that's all you have so you so you just work so hard to build that but you're not even building yourself Mm. you know and so it's when you're going through that kind of shit or that kind of toxicity Mm. it's to just take it all away and kind of go back to you, right? Right. And so for me, I I, I really believe that, you know, you can use social media as a tool and it's a very effective tool, but you can decide how you want to use it. Do you want to do it by following people that you know are going to be uplifting? Mm. Where, you know, you want to see their content, you get to decide who comes into your feed. Mm. Or do you want to just follow people because, you know, they make you feel like shit?
3: Mm. Yeah.
1: You decide. Yeah. You know? Take take matters into your own hands, right? Yeah. Make that choice for yourself.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's tough, right? Like, yeah. Um, I, I saw um I saw an interview you did online and mm-hmm. you were talking about I think what you're saying that when you got to thirty years old, you felt that um, uh your life didn't hit, I suppose, like what you expected it to be or something and you were really sad at one point and then you finally managed to pick yourself up. Yeah. Right? So, what what kind of expectation did you have of yourself at the time and like, how, Mm. um, and how, how do you think people, because like, in today's day and age, we're telling people like, chase your dreams, like, you know, do the best you can. How do you balance that and kind of keeping your sanity because we're not always going to hit achieve what we want to yeah. achieve, right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, and I was talking about this with one of my my artists that I re- that I represent and she was talking about goals and she's like I feel like I didn't hit any goals. Mm. And I was like bullshit. I was like this was a goal, you hit it. This is mm. a goal, you hit it. Mm. And I think when I was when when I came to that crossroads when I was 30 and it was just like, oh my God, I thought I was going to be married. I thought I was going to have children. Oh wow. I thought I was going to have <laughs> like, um, you know, this, like a house, a car. I had none of that. I was still living out of a suitcase. I was auditioning. Mm. I was going to Chinatown to buy some vegetables because that's the cheapest place that you ha- that you that you could. And I was in Canada trying to restart my acting career again. Mm. And and i was just i felt so embarrassed
3: mm.
1: i felt like oh my god i'm not even close but when you make that goal that you're going to be 30 you don't know what 30 is going to look like yeah. you have, like you have no idea yeah. so i was getting down on myself on my past self mm. but past self didn't even know what 30 would look like mm. right and mm. and she just like made these random thoughts
2: oh
1: yeah and and i think what drew me what helped me um, through that was my support system. Right. And it was actually my sister-in-law that said, Sarah, you know, at this age, you've done so much, but you're focused on these things. Mm. You don't realize all these other things that you've done, that you had moved to two or three different cities and carved a career for yourself. You had amassed, you know, this kind of following with people. You had done this you moved to a separate country that and you didn't have much friends and you were still able to thrive
2: mm, mm. uh
1: you accomplished this you accomplished that and i was like no i didn't like i i know i did but that's not accomplishments and she says yes they are mm. and until you actually understand your value mm. and what the value you have to other people
2: yes you're
1: not you're not going to get down on yourself of of what you thought you would be mm. and so a lot of the things that I think about, and, and you know, even with the questions that you're throwing at me, you know, uh, the entertainment's the perception of self, mm. right? um, With social media and how do you hit the haters? It's like really, you know, your identity is lost. But like being conscious about the decisions that you have and and uh, decisions that you make, and and with this being in my thirties, it was a lot about finding value with who I was, mm. right? And if you don't celebrate those things, you'll forget.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And you know, for anyone, um, anyone that's listening out there, it's it's really to start documenting the things that you do, right? Because you'll f- you'll forget, yeah. You know, yeah. and I remember. I was writing letters to my ex-boyfriend in a, in a summer <laughs> holiday when I had my internship. Mm. And I was, um, I was telling him how tough it was mm. and how like I feel like I'm going to lose my job. I feel like I'm not, like my boss hates me. And da 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 like all this kind of stuff. And I wrote it and then I, I was cleaning up my Gmail and I was like, oh my God, like that's crazy. And I saw it and it was like, that was written in 2005. Yeah. Posted it up tagged my boss who's actually now my business partner oh wow and um and so so he
0: did not hit you then (laughs) no
1: he you know his story of how he met me was like he was like here is this doe-eyed girl on a vacation but still wanting to work Mm. if that doesn't say something i don't know what Mm. does Mm. and uh i didn't see it that way and he was like she was dressed up like she was in for my job Mm. and um and yeah, but I, I was like struggling. And he said, no, I didn't think you were struggling. I was pushing you. Mm. I was pushing you because I knew you could do it. Mm. And, and when you look at that, you can't help but think like, wow, yeah. I can't believe you know, that's where I was. And look at where I'm, I'm at now. Mm. You know, Document it. Look back. Reflect. Give yourself that time. Mm. And then think about the decisions that have maybe helped you carve your path. Yeah. and shape the, way, shape the person you are now. You
0: yeah, know? Yeah. I, I, I 100% love that. Like yeah. uh, me on a personal level, I, I try to practice uh, some kind of gratefulness exercise every mm. morning where I just write down stuff that I'm very grateful for that I didn't really have to work to earn. Like, yes. It's just given to me. Like, yeah. I just have it. Right? And, yeah. and, and while we're all kind of trying to chase our dreams today, it's like so easy to forget, like you say, like the things that you did achieve. Yeah. But you're so blinded that you yeah. Because
1: you're like, I didn't get this. Oh, but yeah. I didn't get that, right? Yeah. I didn't, you know, and and he's like, don't forget. Yeah. It's also brought you other things. Yeah,
0: yeah. And you said you document a lot of these things, like so. Do you do you have a journal and like what what's in the journal?
1: Um. So I think it was like from an early age, like right. when I first kind of like how you started coding. I started coding like HTML, like web stuff when I was uh, about fourteen. Oh, I've I've always had a website. I've had a like you know at that time. This is going to date me, but like (laughs) there was this site called Tripod.com. Okay, there was like Tripod Yahoo. Oh yeah, so I still remember that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So Tripod, you could build your own website. Yeah. It's like GeoCD or Geocities, something. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Cities yeah, yeah, were there. Yeah. And then I started blogging. I started writing stories. I started, then I had a Zanga mm. and I would just document stuff like when I was in university and all those things that I would just write stuff. I always just felt like I needed to write like what happened so mm. I don't forget. Mm. I, that was always intrinsic in me. Mm. And so, yeah, when, or even emails, like I never actually delete any emails unless it's like, you know, spam, but, but I keep everything. Because you never know when you're going to access it again and never know like, where, you are, where you were in the in space and time.
2: Mm.
1: And so, um, so yeah, that's, that's how I started. I started really young and I would write these blogs and people would like, connect with me mm. based on that.
0: Right. Do you, do you have like a personal journal that you just keep for yourself?
1: I do. I, I used to. Mm. Uh, I don't as much anymore because mm. I have no time. No time. But, but, um, <laughs> but no, I mean, I think the idea of journaling is like so important, and that's definitely something that I want to start doing, at least, you know, hitting up 2020.
0: Right, right. Do you have any um, uh, daily routines, or do you have like a specific morning routine that you do every day?
1: I wish I did. You know? Okay. So, what's your I day did. look like? like I that? wish I did. Yeah. It was like wake up, brush my teeth, and run out. Because <laughs> That's I'm your made. routine. Wow. <laughs> They're like, oh my god. <laughs> There's some people that like we'll have an hour and like, just know what to do. Uh-huh. I'm like, ah, oh, I gotta go. I'm late. Like that's, that's me. I'm always like, right. yeah, I gotta go. Yeah. Right. I, I wish I had a better routine. Right. And I think right. that's something that I definitely want to implement for 2020. So I'm like, just let me be my, you know, messy self. But, right. um, but yeah, as uh, I wish. You
0: it, you sound like like the a creative kind of artist kind I'm of totally personality. I like that. Like, like
1: my my thing is wired yeah. so differently. There's no linear structure, right. in, and most of my romantic relationships is like. I, I I tend to gravitate towards people that have a sense of orderliness and like So you compliment each other. They keep you
0: in order, right? And I'm like
1: right. the color that like splashes, <laughs> you know, here and there organically. Yeah, that's me. How
0: how how do you keep yourself organized like for work reason, like for work purposes?
1: I think I'm systematic. Mm. Yeah, I'm very systematic, mm. but there's, there's a lot of intuition that goes into the work that I do. Right. You know, there, there's, there's a reason why we do what we do, mm. but it comes in different forms. Mm. <laughs> I guess that's how it works. So maybe it's a bit of a struggle for my employees because they like, need to gauge like what's going on. But, uh, but no, there's generally a system. And I think systems allow people to understand them and be able to move within them.
0: Mm. Mm. so you clearly do like you clearly juggle a lot of things and I think a lot of people know you as someone from the entertainment industry but uh what you but you're also an entrepreneur Mm. right and Mm -hmm. I think it's something that perhaps it's not talked about that much right yeah yeah so like so um I know that you started um uh this uh you know a super retreat yes right it's really awesome and um can you tell us a little bit more about uh, what happens at the retreat? Who is it for?
1: Yeah, super Retreat kind of created... It started from my company. Mm. Um, I, I'm the founder of um, Super Good Collective. Right. And so we've got a PR agency and we've got a talent management company. And uh, we just kind of amalgamated both for a weekend mm. and, and just put... Just kind of put ourselves in front of our work. And so we called it, because it's Super Good, it called Super Retreat, right? Mm. Mm. And so um, uh, it was just a space for us to, to have some talks and to just enjoy each other's company and get to know each other and just just a nice space. So that's kind of how it first started. started right. And it went into a couple forms until this year when I first offered it Publicly. Mm-hmm. So it first start as an internal retreat, then mm. the next was a by invitation retreat, right. where we invited a few other women, my, my business partner was like, Oh, why don't we just kind of focus on women right now. And we had a few other women that came and joined, gave us their comments, what they thought. And then I was like, Hmm, let's open this up now to the public. And Super Retreat is um, a community of women, or, or what I'm trying to do is create a community of women uh, where uh, our focus is to help women succeed in life in all facets of their life. So we talk about, you know, their finances, their their careers, their relationships uh, with themselves, with their mm-hmm. romantic relationships, or their friends and their family. And so we 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 want a very well-rounded experience. And um, by doing so, we create a safe space. Mm. so the dna the core of what super retreat is is that you come to this place and you're going to feel safe right you're going to feel safe to talk about what you want to talk about there's no judgments everyone's on their own journey um and then you get to connect with other women Mm. on a very real level a very genuine level so i met so many women and i actually don't know what they do Mm. like that's never come up Mm. i just I kind of just generally know their pain, but I don't know what exactly.
2: Mm.
1: And, and, and we give ton of hugs and like, you know, we just, we give so much love Mm. and we connect on that real level. Mm. And then we also help you build your confidence. Right. Right. And to learn how to operate from a place of love versus a place of fear where often most people are paralyzed by uh their their you know indecision and indecisiveness or or if- family things or societal things mm. or expectations and they feel paralyzed and mm. they're stuck, you know, mm. and for us is to help you get moving mm. and for you to be like, no, I'm making this decision because it feels right because it is right. And this mm. is who I am. Mm. Not because I don't know what to do. So uh, someone tells me what to do, right? you know? Um, and, and also just the time and space for you to connect with yourself. Mm. And so we're, so super retreat really just, we educate, we, we, equip Mm. and we empower right and we just give you the tools so one of the greatest feedback that i got from a couple retreats back was that you know uh one of the women wrote and she said you know often i go to these events these conferences these talks and i feel like i want to be them Mm. but unlike those uh, but super retreat is unlike those experiences because when when these coaches go through what they go through and they share their personal experiences, this teaches me more uh, to encourage. This encourages me to be more of who I am, mm. not who they are. Wow! And that's what we want. Yeah. We want you to take time to look within. We want you to really dig deep and figure out what is it that you want. Why have you not done it? Mm. and why have you not done it doesn't mean like chase your dreams go do it now go do it now you know like quit your job and go do this that's not what it means mm. it means we're just planting a seed and however m- much effort you want to water it to plant it to look after the soil to tend it you know it's up to you mm. and we don't need to decide that for you it's not like everyone here the kpi next year everybody has their own business uh-huh. it's not like that at all right you know, and, and one of my coaches shared, she said, you know, I registered my business in 2000 and, um, 2000 and I don't know, seven or something like that. Right. And she says, and now I'm at this place, but I didn't really work on it in the past couple of years mm. until the past couple of years. And she mm. says, sometimes that's what happens. Sometimes life gets in the way. Sometimes things happen. But if you have an idea of what you want and where you want to go, this is our way to help you see and reveal what you can do. Mm. and and so what is super retreat super retreat is just the space for you to connect with yourself mm. connect with others to feel safe to to be more confident it, it allows you to operate from a place that um that is you mm. and not anybody else right you know
0: is there like um can you describe a specific activity that you think is particularly unique that you do at super retreat that you find interesting yourself
1: i think because like i've been exploring different different types of uh, like formats and stuff. Mm. But I would definitely say that, um, and it's not unique because this is something that has been happening for many years, mm. is a women's circle. Right. And a women's circle is not any hocus pocus. Sometimes you put a mandala, sometimes you put flowers, sometimes you put candles, whatever it is, mm. you know, but essentially it's a circle. And it's a circle because nobody's above, no one's below. There's no edges, you know. And in that circle, pe- women are allowed to share who they are how they feel, and so, with every retreat that we have, we always start with a circle, we end with a circle
3: mm-hmm.
1: and and we do it because we we and I'll just say and I'll give them the power you know, give me a word that represents who you are right now or what you've learned or anything that you want to share and when you when you when you start sharing, when everybody starts sharing, it is so powerful, it is so powerful because you feel them, and you, you know that no one is trying to outdo anyone else Mm. there's no such thing as that Mm. and so in that circle that power comes out and it's not created by me it's Mm. created by everybody that's in that circle and so every circle is unique because without one of them it would be different and um yeah and that's really what we do in a super retreat (laughs)
0: <laughs> I'm so envious like are you are you ever going to have a version for men and what what would that look like Oh
1: goodness yes <laughs> I mean I I, I think when we did that, a lot of people sent me messages and said, "Why aren't you doing one for men?" I think mm. men need this too. Oh yeah. And I think because there's so much of um, the idea of toxic masculinity, mm. men aren't allowed to do that, so they don't want. So they so they're going to feel shy about doing this. All right. um, but what would a men's retreat look like? I think is something that will really allow men to become more of who they are. Mm. Um, allow them to maybe release and let go of things that they've been holding on as maybe their truth um letting go of a certain sense of responsibility or expectation that is placed on them through conditioning in their family or conditioning in society or conditioning through um through religion Mm. um it's just to release that and say who am i really Mm.
2: um
1: because i think what happens is that when when you know men in the context of women uh, in in relationships if if women want something from men and men are not showing themselves because they don't know how to mm. it's almost an unfortunate situation right yeah. it's expecting someone to do something that they don't know how to mm. and so we want to be able to sort of you know and this is our little tagline but ignite the fire within right there's something in there but with men you've been stuffing masculinity, machoism, like all that like oh, down yeah. right. Yeah. You know, like, oh my God, he was crying. Why was he crying? Uh, you know? And and that judgment that's placed on you when you're not able to access your emotions, like and, and, you know, that that's something that I would definitely want to explore. So I haven't done it yet because I'm not a man. Mm-hmm. I don't know what men need. Mm. Um, I don't know what men need. So, there you yeah. go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but I, if I do have a, I have a men's one. I'm more than happy to invite you. Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> like, let you know about it. <laughs> yeah, like,
0: you know, I, I think, so. I suppose, like, even for myself, like, yeah. most of the time when you talk about, you know, having a space to kind of let go a little yeah. bit, like, among my, say, guy friends. Yeah all all we pretty much do is just hang around have some beer you know talk yeah. some shit and like that's it and and in some and very often it doesn't get very deep
1: so, no and yeah. it doesn't and yeah. because in those experiences you're actually numbing yes. everything you're feeling yeah. you're having beers cuz you're like i don't want to think about it Let's yeah. talk about something else yeah. you'll never get a chance to and even with these women too like some of them are like i'm so glad i didn't come with a friend yeah because there's so much comfort in strangers sometimes they don't know context they don't know history they don't need to judge you they just go based on what you say mm. and the more honest and the more open you are to that experience the the more you're going to get back if you come to the retreat thinking like i'm good i'm fine everything's okay you not then don't come there's there's no point for you to come if you're going to lie to yourself yeah right mm. but if you come there and saying i don't know what's wrong with me mm. i'm feeling stuck i'm feeling unsure i don't have the confidence to make decisions for myself i'm just you know going through life like a freaking zombie and and i don't know what's wrong i don't know why i can't get past this stage then come and say okay i'm just going to sit and listen i'm just going to observe
3: mm.
1: and the more you take in the more you will unlock these things that you didn't know existed. And only you will be able to find that answer. But if you are going to continue to numb yourself or cover it's never going to, it, you're never going to get anywhere, yeah, especially yeah. if it's all in the mind. Oh, I'm going to read like 10 books. Oh, have you read this book? Oh, yeah, yeah. I read, you know, it's it's going to be this thing. And yeah, maybe there's a mind shift, but there's no soul shift.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then it's going to manifest itself in a different way, right? Absolutely. Right. Yeah, yeah. Or
1: it's going to come around again yeah. and you're going to have to deal with the same That's thing right. that you haven't dealt with before. Yes, yes. Yeah.
0: and for, for those listening and if they're interested to find out more like what's what's coming up next for Super Retreat do you have any events kind of up?
1: yeah um, like just go to the website because a lot of things sort of happen in my creative way it's like All oh right. suddenly we're gonna do a retreat <laughs> um, but yeah no like go to superretreat.com super retreat.com and, and just, you know, get updated or follow on Instagram because you're going to see all the things that we're doing. We, we always do announcements there. Uh, we have a mailing list. We always tell them first. Uh, yeah. we give them first dibs of mm. all the discount codes and everything like that. Um, yeah, I'm really exploring different things and I'm, I'm listening. I'm listening to my audience. I'm listening to what people are saying. Can you do something for men? Can you do something for, um, 13 year olds. Can you do something for um, mothers? Mm. Can you do something for husband and wives? Mm. Can you do something for singles? I'm listening. Mm. And um, until I can make sure that all the pieces come together, only then I can make it happen. But I am urgently trying to make that happen. You know, I want to help as many people as I can. And I want to connect with as many people as I can.
0: That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. So for those listening, we're, we're going to leave links like if you're watching this on Yay. like YouTube or like social media, so it's easy for you to find the, you know, find find out a bit more what happens at Super Retreat. Mm. So we're going to move to some quick fire questions Great. now. All right. And um, it's I say quick fire, but feel free to take some time oh to God, process so this. Oh God, so much already. Oh my. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> uh, so uh, first question: uh, What object do you own? that other people find ridiculous, but you absolutely love. Or maybe not ridiculous, but you know, just odd. What
1: object do I own?
0: Or, or Or what object do you own or like something that you bought recently that is a bit unusual maybe?
1: Oh my God. I don't even have anything. I feel like I don't have anything. Oh, okay. Well, I didn't buy it, but I do own it. It's like a little ceramic pig
0: a ceramic pig that is
1: like on all fours uh-huh like with its legs up <laughs> right um, okay i'll send you a picture you can uh, oh yeah hundred percent. Um, yeah. yeah and and it's just a really playful pig
0: what what does this ceramic pig do it's um just... it's
1: i'm born in the year of the pig so it's just uh it's just she, she's just playful
0: right yeah so that set represents you you think
1: yeah right. i would say so <laughs> Yeah, So is it playful? that kind of like
0: upside down
1: yeah, it's right. it's literally like
0: it's on its, its back.
1: It's on its back with its all fours up. Like, yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: hopefully we're gonna have like a, <laughs> a image picture of, that of this. Later. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good. Next question. Uh, what um, unusual unusual or annoying habit do you have that you refuse to change or find difficult to change? <laughs> <laughs>
1: I just need to like think about I, I like everything your, my boyfriend uh, hates yeah. about me, <laughs> like everything that I do that it's really annoying.
0: <laughs> I like to process it for like, I, for example, like for me, right? Like yeah. Since a uh, really young age, for some strange reason, whenever I'm watching a movie or TV or you know, and I'm if I'm really into the movie, my head slowly starts shifting to the left, and I start kind of you know, watching the movie like this. From that the, is really, really? odd. I, there's not, you, I can't explain why it happens, but it, it happens. So, um, and, and you can tell whether I like a movie or not based on where, <laughs> which direction my head is Which I'm facing it straight, so I'm not that interested. That is
1: such an interesting yeah. fact. Yeah. Um, I would say it's, I like Googling and Wikipediaing. Everything. Oh wow,
2: okay. Like
1: movies, T V like as in like as I'm as I'm watching it in real time, <laughs> I'll like look at like the reviews or I'll look at where the original story came from and how close it is to that and what people yeah. It's it's annoying. Right. It's is, so annoying. Is, is there any
0: reason why you do that?
1: I just want more information about yes, it. Information. Yeah, I just want to learn more about it. Um and and it's annoying because sometimes I'll end up finding out the answer and I was like, shoot. I was like oh shoot I went too far like I read too much and now I know like what happens right. um, but yeah that's sort okay. of an annoying trait
0: okay next question uh, what scene from a movie or TV show uh, was super memorable to you and kind of left you oh like a, a lasting life lesson I ask this question because like typically I hear people asking about books yeah. but I find that most of the time we get most of these influences from like yeah. watching entertainment yeah right
1: yeah, I remember that the movie Pay It Forward, mm. where Haley Joel Osment was like killed or stabbed. Right, yeah. And, and it was like towards the end, and I just remember just like crying so hard. Um, that and some random movie in my head, um, Murder in the First with Kevin Bacon. That is a
0: really random <laughs> this movie. This is a, such oh, yeah. a random movie.
1: <laughs> but it was the injustice okay. that was set upon him. Right. That I that I that just made my blood boil. Mm. And um Is that
0: the movie where he
1: was wrongly accused. Wrongly accused, yeah. but he
0: pretended to be the killer? Uh, I'm not oh,
1: No, that's no. primal fear. Oh,
0: that's primal fear. That's primal right, fear right, yeah, yeah. right, 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 right.
1: Um, but, but yeah, it was with Kevin Bacon. I don't know
0: why. Right. Uh, but so what weird. what um, what did you was there a life lesson you got from these movies?
1: I think if I relate to your question, then maybe it's the pay it forward. It was, it it forward. was just that what you can do for someone else. Right. Yeah. I think, I think that's what I took out of it. And, mm. and it was it was just so tragic that, mm. you know, I just ruined the movie for everyone that hasn't right. watched yeah. it. But no, well, they, they had that chance. <laughs> yeah, it's an old movie, right? Yeah, it's yeah. a super old movie. He's an adult now. <laughs> yeah. um, but But, yeah, it was just so tragic. And I was just like, how can that be? He started such a beautiful movement. Mm. You know, that you can continue helping other people and that you could just do something for someone else and not ask for anything in return, but for them to continue doing it for someone else. Right. You get what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And it's just the whole idea of pay it forward. Yeah. And, and so maybe that's really what has shaped me because look at what I'm doing now. That's right. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm asking for money in return for my service, Mm. but other than that, like, I'm just telling them to continue being a good person, continue helping other people, continue sharing your light with other people and recognizing their light, continue doing that, and so maybe that's probably what has really impacted me. All
0: right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Doing something with, like, a a positive social impact, Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, Yeah.
0: Um, next question mm. if you could make a video go viral yeah. and that video carried any message that you wanted like yeah. what message would you want that video to carry
1: kindness goes a long way yeah I don't know what it would look like but I think just to show like um, that, that kindness is all about the way you make someone feel and not mm. just what you say it's just that the, the, the feeling that people are left with and, and yeah that's what I would want to go viral that's really cool
0: <laughs> next question what's the best piece of career advice you've received from a mentor or someone that you really respect mm. be nice to
1: everybody yeah be nice to everybody and that's what I also share with everyone else too so you never know who you're gonna meet. You never know where you're gonna cross your paths with someone. And if you look down at someone um, because of who they are at that time, that's you know that it's a shame because you never know who they're gonna be. And, and I, never, I never want to be like, oh, they're peasants, or she just does this, or she does that. I don't think anybody, choose, anybody wants to be in lowly positions or in lowly places, you know? But just because you're there now doesn't mean you're going to be there forever. And right. so whatever path you cross with someone, like you never know where they're going to be. Yeah. So always be nice to everybody.
0: Oh, yeah, it doesn't really hurt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, one, they- <laughs>
1: Yeah.
0: One of, one of the things I, I kind of, uh, constantly think about is, mm. um, you know, obviously, you know, I built a company, all that, it's doing really well, mm. but in any moment, it could kind of go away. Yeah. So I, I always tell myself, you know, just be really humble. And, you know, there, yeah. there are lots of people out there who, you know, you know, they're doing great stuff, but yeah, yeah. You, can't, you can't treat people differently.
1: No, yeah. you can't. Yeah. I mean, I think actually Vancouver taught me to be nice. Right. <laughs> My city taught me to be nice. You you don't need to navigate being a nasty person. You you don't need to have that in in the way you look at things. You don't have to be rude to people. Mm. You know, it, you can get the same point across by being nice.
0: Right. You know. Right. Is is it partially because um, uh, you're an outsider in a sense when you first went to Vancouver and that kind of.
1: I don't know to be honest Mm. I really don't know I've just always known people to be nice Mm. I just so when when it's a
0: city filled with nice people it
1: very it very much is I would say people (laughs) Canadians are generally quite friendly right okay right and because it doesn't take any effort to be Mm. you know it doesn't take any effort to say hello when you're walking down the street or smile at someone it doesn't doesn't hurt you it doesn't take anything away from you Mm. you know Hugs are free, you know. Smiles are free. Like it, it like that. I guess that's how I see it. So, when someone's negative, you're just like, "Huh, like mm. that's a shame. Mm. Something must have happened for mm. him not to have a happy disposition, or, or whatever the case is." But, um, but yeah, like I, everything, like you said. I mean, I think if you're running a tech company and we're we're in a place of position. And when we've got staff coming into our doors and and not knowing who they are, wanting to carve something out of themselves, you know, I always tell them, I said, listen, as much as you're going to be a part of my life and I'm going to be part of yours, at some point you may or may not leave. And when you leave, I want to know that you've done everything for yourself and that this company has helped you do that, Mm. you know, that you learned that that you were able to take ownership of everything that you've done. Uh, whether it's a task, whether it's a project, whether it's for yourself or for the company. And so when you leave, you will know. And, and, and when you go to the next job, I want them to say, oh, yeah, I came from super good. And for them to feel like, oh, OK, I, kn- I know you're training then. Mm. You know, I know mm. you came from this standard. Mm. So for me, that's my legacy that mm. I, I want to instill, that, mm. that, that I helped you get to this point. Mm. because I wanted you to do well I want you to succeed you know and because sometimes a lot of people when you're when you're entering the workforce and you have a shitty boss and how do you define a shitty boss you you oh, define yeah. a shitty boss by someone that is power hungry that takes all the credit that that doesn't expect much of you that doesn't give you any opportunities that's a shitty boss.
3: Mm. Mm. But
1: what can you do to change that around, mm. right? So I know I don't want to be that shitty boss. I want to give them opportunity. Mm. I want to give them the the growth. I want them to see that they're going to be extremely powerful in whatever they do. And that this is, yes, this is a job. And yes, this requires your... Um, your, uh, I I need you to be reliable, and I need you to give me what you can, mm. and and there's a payment for that. Mm. But there's a much there's as much of my company as there is about who you are in this company, mm. and so being nice to people and saying, we play this role. I know I'm your boss. I pay your salary. You know, there is an exchange of services that happens, and that's why this occurs. Mm. But it doesn't mean that you're a bad person, and just because you do something incorrectly doesn't mean you're a horrible person and Mm. that you should, like, die in hell, you know? Mm. And that I still have to give you the same respect as you give me.
0: I have a, like a interest. Like I'm going to move away from quick fire questions for a short while because yeah. I just thought of a really interesting <laughs> question. Okay. Um, and uh, it's kind of related to uh, you, when you mentioned earlier about how there was a moment where you really didn't like your boss, mm. but obviously now he's your business partner. Yeah, right? yeah. So, and there are genuinely really shitty bosses. Yes. So, for a lot of people who are listening right now, and a lot mm. of them are really young and they, yeah. they, they might have a boss that they don't like, like, how do you distinguish? between a boss that's genuinely a shitty boss mm. or a boss that's just being hard on you, you know, mm. uh, but, but actually wants you to succeed. How, how, what kind of advice would you give someone to kind of help them distinguish between the two?
1: I think it's a lot about understanding where it comes from. You know, I think once, if you're in a job and and you're in it for like two or three weeks, you will start to see colors, right? It's Mm. like living with someone. You'll start to see their colors very shortly. There's not much you can hide. Mm. And um, with my boss that's now my business partner, I I had never questioned his uh, reason of wanting to push me. Mm. I always felt like I was going to lose my job because I felt like I was not good enough. Mm. But at every opportunity, he was always trying to include me into a brainstorming session or getting my opinion and things like that because he valued who I was right So if you want to distinguish the difference between a good boss and a bad boss is like do they actually care about you number one question
3: right right
1: They don't need to know your mother's name, your father's name, your brother's birthday they mm. don't need to know all those things mm. I mean that's different that's the yeah. difference of opinion but like do they generally care about you or know what's going on? I admit sometimes I get very, um, forgetful. So I'm like, oh shoot. We, I was like, oh no, my, my staff is like got a one year. I need to do appraisal. And it's not because I forgot about her and I don't care about her. It's that I genuinely forgot, but I wanted to give that.
0: Right. Cause you're an artist, right? Like, yeah. I'm an artist, <laughs> you know, you know splashes of color. <laughs> um,
1: but yeah, it had, it, it, it's really sitting with them and saying, I care about you and I want to see you grow. Mm you know, but not being, but being transparent and say, but I want the company to grow too. And you, there's a reason why I hired you. Yeah. Like you need to do your job,
2: yeah.
1: but is this going to work? Yes. Right. Is, is, are we going to melt? Are, is this culture going to happen? Yeah. Are we going to build this together? Yeah. And I think another question is, is saying like, do I see myself growing in this company? Mm. Right. Mm. Does this boss care enough for me to continue or does this boss just want me to be at this place? Mm. And if they do, do I want to just keep myself at this place? Because if you do, that's fine. Yeah. Not everybody wants to have this high-powered CEO job. Some people just want to be a secretary, yeah. do their work, go home, and not actually have to think about anything outside yeah. of work. You yeah. know. That's right. And that's totally fine. Um, but it's really asking those questions. Where is this coming from? Why is she angry? Is she angry because she just wants me... Is she having an ego trip? Right. She just wants me to feel like... So she can feel powerful, mm. right? Mm. And so, like in my company, we always talk about each other as a family mm. because I will give them if mm. they if they up. Mm. But at the same time, I don't want them to up. I want them to prove me wrong that they won't up, and I'm not going to create instances for them to do it so I can say, "Ah, I told you you up." Mm. It does a disservice to me and my company and the efficiency and productivity for me to like keep pointing things out. But am I here because I want you to succeed, just like a parent? yeah you know your kids are gonna like do whatever they want mm. but do you want them to do well you do that's
3: right at the end yes. of the day
1: you yeah. want them to do well do yeah. you care about them yes mm. are they gonna like stay up late at night and never come home and never call you and i'm sure that's gonna happen mm. but at the end of the day do you want them to be safe and you want them to continue and do do well yes you do yeah and same with any employee or, or and if you are a boss you want to make sure the well-being of your company is mm. good, and the people that are in your company are mm. taken care of. Mm. So it's so important for me, for my staff, to be able to um, be who they want to be in tandem with my company.
3: Mm. Mm.
1: Because at any point in time, when I'm like, "Hey, guys, I'm gonna need you to like stay a couple nights like pretty late," they're gonna do it mm. because I'm not gonna ask that of them all the time. And yeah. I've given you this freedom, I've given you the flexibility, I've given you the responsibility, I've treated you like adults you can treat me with the same respect. Yeah, yeah. And so you, when you give them that freedom and you say, listen, you can make this what you want it to be, mm. you will fly. Mm. And if I have happy staff, like I'm going to have a great company. Mm. And so I was sharing with this um, at an interview recently. And I said, you know, in my company, there's not that many people. There's like four or five people. I think in this total year, I think collectively, maybe I've had five, six days. For four or five employees in an entire year, five sick days.
0: Oh, wow. Okay.
1: No one's claimed sick.
3: Wow. No
1: one's claimed sick leave. Mm. You know? Mm. I think that's productivity. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No one feels like they need to claim a sick day because they, they're just whatever. Yeah. It's because we treat each other like family. Hey, can I help you with anything? I know it's not out of, I know I'm not doing with this, but if you need some help, I can just take this stuff off your plate. Yeah. We do that for each other. Yeah. And when you create that environment, you create that culture. Yeah. You're, you're able going, you're, you're going to have these people that are going to be like, Oh my God. Yes. Like Mm. my boss, my boss really allows me to be who I want to be. I want to do more for this company. I can see this vision. I can grow. But if you're a shitty boss, uh, do this. Why are you so stupid? Huh? Mm. You never do this properly. Mm. Why are you here? Mm. What did I teach you? You're wasting my time. Go away.
3: Mm.
1: How are they going to feel? Yeah. And feel small and feel shitty. They're going to feel like, fuck this shit. I'm out of here. Uh, I'm sick. Oh, sorry. Can I help you?
0: Yeah. No, I love I love the I love the your answer to this question because the the, re, the reason I ask it is because I find that a lot of people now these days sometimes they give up too early and for the wrong reasons. Mm. So like if they, they come across a boss who's like really hard on them, and and I think a lot of times they can't distinguish between yeah. you know what's a bad boss and what's mm. a boss that's just hard on you because you know they have high expectations, but mm. actually they want you to grow. Yeah, and very often it's very hard for them to distinguish the two. Yeah. You know yeah. so. Um, and, and because of that, people kind of give up too early. They and, do. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I want to try to change that mindset a little bit yeah. by, by telling people that, that, that your answer is really good, right? You kind of have to get a sense of whether your boss is doing this because, you know, out of care for you, mm-hmm. like whether they actually want you to succeed yeah. or just because it's for themselves. Yeah,
1: it's an ego right? trip. Because yeah. when you're in a place of power, I can assume you've worked so hard mm. to be there now. Now is your turn. My turn, bitches. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> like, you know, time to crack yeah, that whip. Yeah, yeah. This was done to me, so I'm going to do this to you. But I'm like, no, that's toxic. That's really toxic. Oh, yeah, it's you really know? I hope yeah. there's no one like this. Here, <laughs> but it's, it's toxic because you're just only going to continue this and it's not fair.
0: Mm.
1: You know, so, yeah.
0: Okay um, next question, back to quick fire. so mm. how would you define success or what would success look like you uh, look like for you, say five years from now?
1: Success to me would be having nothing and being okay with it. yeah I think my answer for success used to be so different, but now it's that that I do that success to me would be having no attachments to things that would push my ego to feel validated Mm. so having things like accolades or this or that or a house or this you know whatever I thought when I was younger and 30 I need to get married I need to have and all these markers of success
3: Mm.
1: that would that would basically validate who I am I feel like in five years if I don't have any of those and feel amazing then I am truly successful yeah
2: (laughs) it's amazing Uh, i wish i could do that
3: (laughs) yeah i I can't do that yet so Uh, i'm not successful at all
0: (laughs) i'm still tied to all these activists and all that Uh, yeah yeah um right next question so you've you've acted you've hosted your model um Mm. is there an activity that you you've been wanting to try but you haven't
1: yeah like i mean i think because i i've been in entertainment and i've been seen and and i've been um uh, I've been on stage and I've performed and and all that. Like I feel like that's that's always been a strength of mine. And I think for me to maybe consider doing more speaking engagements. Speaking. Yeah, because I think in an interview format for me, I just love talking to people, so mm. it, it will always feel natural to me. But I think really just sharing the message that I have or sh- or sharing you know some of the things that I've done in my past and how it can help others. I think that's probably an area that sometimes I get fearful of, you know, but, but it's but it's a challenge that, that I think is also quite beautiful and, and to know how I started and know, you know, where I'm at, I think that's something that I probably want to head towards, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> and so different, right? Like, um, if you're recording something from TV and a million mm. people are watching it versus sitting in front of a room of a hundred people.
1: Yeah, and they're just watching you, yeah, right. <laughs> like, talk and you're like, oh my God, I forgot the slide, <laughs> you know? And, like, freaking out. Um, but, but, yeah, just... Just really having that, um, you know, having having the opportunity to speak my wisdom or speak my truth. I think that's what I want to do.
0: Cool. This is the last question. Okay. Um, what's a unique skill you have that other people don't really know about? <laughs>
1: I wouldn't say it's unique (laughs) I wouldn't say that other people don't know about but I really love smelling durians and knowing what they're gonna taste like (laughs) okay so I like I love durians and Uh this is almost in every single interview that I have and it's like if I know a good durian I can smell it
0: you can smell a good durian you can tell what's gonna taste like by smelling durian yeah That's a very useful skill (laughs) for a lot of Malaysians.
1: Yes, it is. So I, yeah,
0: I I love durian. Oh, 100%. We're going to bring you on like durian tasting trips. Oh, I would love it. Those
1: would be amazing.
0: (laughs) Well, thanks, Sarah, for coming, joining us and sharing your story. Um, I love love the conversation. And one of the things that uh, I really like about, like, like for example having that conversation with you is mm-hmm. that you've done you know you've walked the walk you've done a lot of things you mm-hmm. know and very often i find you know online a lot of people share ideas but sometimes they haven't actually done anything yet like mm-hmm. it's, it's a really dangerous place to be taking advice from people who haven't yeah, tried doing stuff. True. but you've, you've been through it right you yeah. went through the ups and downs um and you're an entrepreneur you've done so well in the, en- the entertainment industry <laughs> and it's so awesome to be able to hear from you mm. directly what's it like to be in the space yeah. so thanks for coming again
1: thank you for having me Bye. i'm so excited to hear you know this entirety of this podcast so yes. yeah
0: awesome all right
1: thank you good. thanks guys thank you, thank you.